everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Well, hello, Pete Wright. So this is the first podcast that has been announced by True Story. Is that funny? Yes, it sounds great. Thank you. You've rebranded so yourself. I did. We rebranded. Let me, can I tell you a story? As long as we yes. don't have a guest today. Can I yes. tell you a story? So look, Absolutely. I became Rash Pixel uh, in 2011. And I really liked it because it, I, in my head, the, the rash was, uh, uh, it was sort of conjured up this image of nimbleness and eagerness, right? It was just a sort of eccentric way to put that. And, and in my head, that was totally rational. And everybody surely thought the same thing. So years rash, go by. Rational. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I like that too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, years go by and, and, you know, we've got a, a new partner here at, at, uh, True Story FM and he starts writing some copy, uh, some updated, uh, copy and says, uh, uh, you know what? Are you sure you want to stick with Rash <laughs> Pixel? I said, yes, I, I like it. He said, let's just look up the definition. And sure enough, my definition is in there, but it's really low. And it says that uh, it, it it was last sort of uh, defined that way in the late Middle English. And nobody knows wow. what that means anymore. It no. turns out it's just an as- absence of forethought and uh, carelessness and uh, also a skin condition. So... Um, <laughs> So, uh, so we decided to rebrand it. We went through this whole thing and it was actually me sending a whole bunch of ideas to our very own uh, Discord mom, Melissa in Discord and said, what do you think of these? And she said, oh, here's this and that, this and that. And then she says, uh, she said something that ended in her saying true story as if it was like a hashtag. And I immediately went on to our, my domain registrar to see what was available, and it was all available. And That's so crazy. I registered it. And uh, that is it, meant to be. It was meant to be. And so I'm very happy with it. We have logo, website is we're building it, but it's it's live now. True Story FM. Lots of lots of different things. We're moving lots of our other shows, membership programs. There, we're. Uh, it, it's just. It, it's going to be fun, and um, we're very excited about it. And well, congratulations. now something we can both be proud of, the name, and not hide from a skin condition. So That's right. That's yeah. right. So thank you for everybody who's known me as Rash Pixel <laughs> FM. It's now True Story FM, and I appreciate you letting me uh, talk about it a little bit. That's great. Congratulations. We have, uh, uh, you know, a pivot. Pivot. We're pivoting we're pivot. like Ross. Yes. We're friends. Yes. We're pivoting today. <laughs> Thank uh, you, we Tracy, for that. <laughs> had a wonderful scheduled uh, guest who uh, had some uh, patients that, uh, um, patient meetings that went uh, over and so was not able to make it today and we're very sad about that so uh, for the first time in 10 years we have a no show and um, we are we are indeed pivoting and we're going to do our best to do justice to the subject that we had initially uh, planned to talk about knowing full well that we are not able to speak with the good dr stephanie sarkis Instead, we're going to talk about some of the points that we wanted to talk about based on some of the information from her book. We're going to talk about Nikki's experience with YNAB. Uh, thanks and to yours. Pe- and mine, sure. And uh, and we're going to answer some listener questions that have come in uh, recently that we need to knock out before we go on our July break. So this is the last show uh, that we're going to be doing until, our, uh, until August, because right. this is our annual, uh, annual July break month-long siesta from podcasting so we can plan and do other good things. So that's it. Before we start all this, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD and... If this show has ever touched you or helped you make a change in your life for the better, or maybe even think about money in a new way like it did to me, we sure invite you to consider supporting the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting with a few dollars each month. You can help guarantee that we continue to grow the show, add new features, and invest more heavily in our community. Visit patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to sign up. All right, Nikki Kinzer, where would you like to start in this this potpourri, potpourri of, of show yes. topics today? 
Well, I thought that it would be a good place for us to start to talk a little bit about why NAB, you need a budget, because yeah. that is something that Chelsea actually uh, introduced to us in our last show. It's something that you've been exploring. And after watching your workshop on it, I decided to hop on and start exploring it as well. Um, so why don't we go with your experience first? Because you you definitely know the program much more than I do. I've only spent a couple of hours on it. So. Well, and, uh, and let me just say, first of all, that I recommend recognize that you and I are late to the YNAB game, right? Well, I, apparently, because when we look at our live stream, all these people are like, oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So that that notwithstanding, I, I will say that blessings be to ADHD, that after Chelsea introduced that to us, uh, I logged in and created an account and truly hyper-focused. I lost a lot of time trying to understand the program better, understand what it does. I have extensions running in Firefox that allow me to do fun things that aren't actually built into YNAB. Like, I've gone berserker on this this app, and so I, I really love it. But the, the thing, rather than talk about the, the how with YNAB, I, right. I really would like Let's to just... Let's talk about why. Yeah, I'd yeah. really like to yeah. reflect on, on the why, because I think that's more important. And if you want the how, we do a deep dive in the member workshop, the Supreme Level uh, ADHD workshop in the member group. If you sign up for that, if you already have uh, a, a membership to that, just be on the lookout for the uh, the latest uh, workshop. I have not finished editing it yet as I'm recording this, but by the time you hear this episode in, on the public feed, uh, it, it should be there. Um the why with YNAB and why hasn't budgeting worked for me in the past? This is a thing that sort of helped me uh, when Chelsea illuminated it, right? Mm -hmm. That that budgeting for me has always been reactive, right? Mm -hmm. That that money would be spent. <laughs> Notice I intentionally use the passive voice there because why would I want to take responsibility for spending my money? Right. right? That's it was kind of done. old me. It was done. <laughs> Some other Pete did that. That was Pete who needed that one thing that time. So transactions end up coming in. And then they'd be categorized kind of at my bank. You know, the, the, we're in the same credit union. So, you know, they come mm -hmm. in and they kind of try to tell you, oh, this is a dining out expense. So mm -hmm. they kind of do that. And that's an effort to use past experience, to use my history and build a budget, right? So right. the thinking is that if I see all these categories, I'll be able to make future decisions about where I'm going to spend my money next month. And that has always felt really sort of haphazard to me, and it's never stuck. It's never stuck, right? I'll look at it once, I'll look at it for the prior month, and then, you know, eventually a time will come where I'll need that one thing again, and I'll mm -hmm. go buy that one thing, and then I'll deal with the consequences later. And those consequences always end in a very familiar $28 fee for overdrafting again because I didn't move money from the one account to the other account to be ready. I was not ready because I had been unintentional, right? Right. Yeah. And same here. Totally. I have the same issue. And and so I think that's really important because it's not an uh, this part is not necessarily an ADHD non ADHD thing, right? No. no. Um, for for me, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where I'm just because I'm not ready, I write checks literally that my account can't can't cash, or right. I don't write checks when I need to, right? right? And so things get things are late. Like I'm just not on top of it. So. Enter YNAB. Uh, this is effectively a digital form of envelope budgeting. Uh, it's founded in 2004 and uh, by a guy who is just a, a diligent dad and and uh, finance background and happens to uh, happen to develop a spreadsheet based approach for him and his his wife and new family. And uh, that has turned into you need a budget. Uh, the way the tool works which you can get on the on the workshop, the intentionality of the tool where you take the money you have today and you put it in categories for where you're going to need to spend it so that you're prepared for each expense that comes down has totally changed my mindset on money. And um, that uh, that's, I know I'm, I'm late to it and all of this sounds super obvious, but I'm telling you their rule set, their four rules, uh, rule number one is give every dollar a job yeah. that is transformative 
when I think about that at the dollar level. It's similar to what happened when I realized that I'm not breaking down my work enough, right, to the atomic level of tasks. Like, that was transformational in the way I approach my day-to-day. So this this whole experience has got me changed from thinking about the past and reliving history over and over and over again to thinking about the future. What is tomorrow going to look like, and am I ready for it? And as soon as I just think, hey, um, I have one expense that's coming up tomorrow, just one, and it's a $29 expense for a web hosting account that I have. Do I have $29 in my account to deal with that? If I do, the little bubble is green and I go on about my day. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the evening, I may want to stop and get a cup of coffee. Do I have the money in my little bubble to be able to afford me a cup of coffee? If I do, I stop for coffee. If not, I don't stop for coffee. Those kinds of 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 things. It's it is it adds a level of deliberation to thinking about my money. And I'm telling you, the what it requires of you is is sort of high caloric, right? It it requires a tra- a, a change. But once you do it, once you get two or three weeks into it, it becomes so easy, kind of effortless uh, flow of money in and out of these categories. It feels almost uh, almost too natural to to be true. Right. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, I got on it after watching your workshop. I got on it yesterday for um, a couple hours and set up my accounts. And, and uh, I know we're not going to talk about how to use it, but I just want to tell people out there that that aren't as tech savvy as Pete Wright is. <laughs> but this program is really easy to navigate. I mean, it really is easy to change titles. It's easy to delete things. It's easy to move things around. And that in itself, I think, is one of the nicest things about it because I've used other pro- programs before too. And it just didn't ever seem as easy as it was yesterday when I uh, did it myself. Um, One of the things that I really like and why I wanted to get on it was we've got a a senior in high school, right? So he's going to be going to college next fall. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to make sure that we're putting money aside. We already have a college fund, but we know it's not going to cover all of college. And so... Being able to say, here's my goal, and this is what I want to have in our savings account by August of 2021. How much money do I need to put away every month to make that goal? To have that broken down is really cool. Like, again, I know I feel like people have already done this, but I never have. And same thing like with a vacation. If we want to take a vacation next summer, and I know that we have a budget of $2,000 to take that vacation, how much money do I need to save per month to have that money saved before next summer, right? Again, Mm -hmm. I'm sure people do this, but I never really have. I've always just thought, okay, well, just put money in savings, but I don't really have the intention behind it. Like it's not necessarily for something specific. So I I really enjoy that. I'm still playing with it. I still have a lot to learn. Um, But so far, I'm really loving it. Well, I want to I want to add something to that last point that you have a lot to learn. The the thing that I like the most about YNAB as a company is that it is first and foremost uh, an education company, right? This is mm. this is what they do. The tool is an outcome of teaching you how to think about money in a in a, a healthier fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tool is not the end, right? So when you learn about the tool and you go through their incredibly well-documented sort of getting started um, tools, the videos, the documentation, um, you really get the sense that these people are out to to make my life better by helping me right. think in a healthy fashion. And they want me to understand not just how to do a thing, but why to do a thing. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I find that v- very powerful. The alternative is, in my experience with other you know, personal finance managers is that they're all about selling me more stuff, right? That yeah. I put all of my accounts into, you know, Mint or personal capital, right? The, and and it won't be long before they're offering me a credit card at a lower rate. And that always feels just kind of gross, that mm-hmm. they know enough about my spending habits to offer me new stuff to buy, 
Right. right. And, and I don't appreciate that. I, yeah. I'm not, uh, I, I've, what I love about YNAB is that their intentionality is to, or intention is to teach me how to, to live a healthy life with my money, to grow my assets and do it in a way that is, that allows sort of my, my, um, uh, my objectives in in how I grow to flourish, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't sell me stuff apart from the subscription that I pay. And if you look at Twitter and you follow the YNAB account, by and large, the tweets that that come into YNAB are, oh, I just got my notice that I have to pay YNAB again. The best money I've ever spent. This company is amazing. This is the most valuable asset in my uh, in my entire catalog. YNAB has changed my life. I will gladly continue to pay for this service. Uh, like though, you just get a sense that this is a different kind of company. And so I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm I, I'm really proud to be on the YNAB train with all of the people in our community <laughs> who already use it, and happy to be a, an evangelist for uh, what it's already just in in a matter of weeks. Right. It, it's changed the yeah. way I, I think about this stuff. So let's see. Let's get, check in in a year and see how we do. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that this is a, that it, all of these concepts at YNAB really get to this first point that we wanted to talk about, which is about impulse buying. And, and that's a problem that we have it, that a lot of people have, and it is exacerbated by ADHD. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And something that I want to talk about with impulse buying that I think is is important that we uh, shine a light on is impulsive buying can be a way to cope with mm-hmm. uh, ADHD, to cope with anxiety, depression, some of these other uh, type of issues. And so it can also become an addiction, just like you would use alcohol, um, drugs, uh, gambling. I mean, any of these things can be a way to cope. So I just want to be very clear. I've seen people in my practice in the past where impulsive buying was more of an issue where they really did need to get professional help. They needed to get help for the addiction piece of it and uh, not just what it was, was, you know, impulsive buying is just what, how they were coping. So I just want us to be really clear that there's a difference between, you know, going into a mass amount of debt, having things all around your home that you're not using or that you're just, you know, are still in boxes and, and you're trying to cope with something that you're dealing with versus I'm buying things without really thinking about it, but it's not all the time. Maybe it affects you a little bit, but it but it's still annoying, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like you know that that was an impulsive decision, and now you're kind of regretting it. Yeah. Um, there's a difference between doing that once or twice a month or whatever versus being online all the time. Does well, that make sense? Yeah, and and you know you can really feel it with things with those little things like oh I know I have on my list that I need new shoes. And I'm, I, you know, my current shoes are breaking down and I, I know I need new shoes and I am empowered thanks to the power of credit to go out and just get my new shoes. And also that's satisfying. It's a dopamine rush that I've checked something off my list and I bought new shoes. Right. So it's like I've, I'm I am existing in a space of accomplishment. I have not done anything. I have just leveraged myself a little bit further. And so uh, I, I think putting some sort of barrier in between me and that impulse decision, some sort of reminder or trigger is the equivalent of setting an alarm when I need to change tasks, right? And I yes. live on alarms. So living on a tool that allows me to set an alert that says you don't have the cash money to do what you want to do right now um, is is something that I need. I need some sort of a wall over which I have to make effort to climb in yes. order to give myself, my brain a break to think first. Because yeah. if I don't have that obstacle, uh, I I will continue to spend because that uh, that supports the lizard brain. The lizard oh, brain needs me does. to spend. It's it's a dopamine rush for sure. Yeah. So I and I like that you say that because it is it's it, this is the same advice that I would give to anybody that is um, dealing with anything impulsive, whether it's buying or just 
how they're reacting in conversations or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, is having that pause button. You know, how do you have that pause before you actually hit click? Mm-hmm. And uh, online buying, especially because it it just makes it so easy. Oh yeah. And um, well, that you lizard know, brain a- loves those those quick sales and oh, the yes. things you can get. Uh, are you telling me I could have this delivered to my house this afternoon? Right. I don't have to go anywhere. The lizard Getting brain a book is on iPad, it's the, it's delivered to your totally. iPad right then. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's it's hard. It's really hard. So I think yeah. anything you can do to have that that pause button, uh, and that may mean that you have to kind of set some guidelines. You know, uh, I've told people that on their computer or wherever they're buying stuff, put a sticky note that says pause. You mm-hmm. know, or um, you know, That's get really out. Great. Yeah, just to get yourself to think about it. Or if you do want to buy something, you know you need something, you know, giving yourself 24 hours before you hit send. Mm-hmm. Um, talking to somebody else about it, uh, especially if you're in a household with a partner or spouse, um, you want to be able to, you know, talk about that so that you're making the right decision. So there's some things that you do have to, you know, maybe make a rule set and try to follow that so that it, it's not as tempting. And that's the thing is maybe you take the temptation away. However, you can do that. You know, you right. don't get onto Amazon, you don't go onto eBay, whatever it right. might be. But it's sort of like if you're an alcoholic, you're not going to have a bunch of alcohol in your house. If you are trying to uh, eat a healthy lifestyle, you're not going to have a bunch of sugar in your house. So if mm-hmm. there's any way that you can, you know, get that out of that temptation um, would be helpful. But it's a struggle. And if you think it's a problem, if you really think it's something that you're addicted to and you have no control over, that is something that you really do need to get professional help and, and, um, and get that help that you need. I think yeah. that's really important. Can I, I, I have a, I don't know if this was good, but I have a replacement strategy. It's specifically oh, around yeah. books and audiobooks, right? Okay. Because you know, I love me some audiobooks. Oh, of course. And, and, and ebooks. Like I'm just an ebook, audiobook guy. And uh, I, I, I have an admission, which is like I've, I've been a, a paying member of Audible for decades, right? We've talked about this before, but that it, it was YNAB that showed me how much I've spent on audiobooks. And so I actually canceled my Audible subscription for a while, just for a while. Wow. Because yeah. I love Audible. I'll, I'm I'm sure at some point I'll come back and when I need to buy audiobooks, this is where I'm going to go, but I canceled the subscription because I'm I want to be able to make more intentional choices and I replaced it with Libby. Have you played with Libby? No. Okay, so Libby is is a little app that you download on your phone uh, or your tablet, and it is a direct connection to the digital audio and ebook collection at your library. Hmm. And it is really great. It is a great little app. And so my my replacement therapy for like Audible and, and Kindle books has been Libby. I go in and I create a shelf of hundreds of books that I want to read. And as they become available, they pop up. I get a little alert. It says you have 21 days to read this book or listen to this book. And then as soon as I'm finished, I return it. I get the next book that's available. So this like my list, my wish list in Audible, which I was paying for month to month, has right. now just been migrated over to Libby. Some books are not available at my local library. Ebooks uh, are not available, so then I might have to go back if it's important and actually pay for the book. But sure. I find that I am perfectly satisfied with Libby. The other thing, when you if you love the Kindle app, you can actually use Libby to read your books through the Kindle app. You can say "Open with Kindle" and it routes you through your Amazon account and loads it onto your Kindle device. Uh, if you love reading on your Kindle e-reader, so hot tip. If you want to save a little money from buying books and audiobooks, Libby, at least in the United States and your local library, great solution. So I have a question for you from our live stream right now. Uh, we have a comment saying that the hard thing about Libby is I, I get only two weeks and then I forget to read them. So any suggestions, Pete, on how to remind yourself that they're there to read? 
Well, I go back to the the same stuff that I always do, which is, um, you know, put the alert, put the time on the calendar when you're reading, put an alarm on the calendar that says, hey, don't forget to read this book today. Um, You know, that sort of thing. I always, I I make healthy use of the, um, you know, extend, you can extend, in some cases, you can extend your your loan um, if you need just a little bit more time on new release books, books with a very long wait list. You can't do that. There are a lot of people who are in line for it. And so, yeah, you just need to get through the the book in the amount of time allotted. Um, but you got to ask yourself, if you're if you're not reading it, if you don't remember to read it in 21 days uh, is the, or 14 days, whatever it is, um, how important was that book? And maybe you just read the next book on your list. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and so you well, just got to ask yourself that. Right? What I kind of like about it is it gives you sort of a time frame, right? Yeah. Like, so when you do have it, you know to read it because it will go away, which can be really helpful because otherwise it will just, if you were to buy it, it most likely would just be sitting on yourself and, and you know, until yeah. who knows when. Right. So, right. I mean, it does give you, again, some of that boundary that maybe you need to have. Right. Well, and, and I'm triaging my behavior, right? And my behavior is just continuing to acquire digital properties and in some cases reading them right away, in some cases not, but spending the money regardless. So right. because I've reprioritized reducing monthly subscriptions over uh, my my selectivity over what I'm reading at any given time, this is because become the the result for me. So there sure there are lots of of ways I can I can critique my behavior with Libby, but the one thing that it does exceptionally well is allow me to cancel other subscriptions, right? And so I'm doing that first. Um so there you go. I like it. Uh, another question that came through was about bill pain. And that's something that uh, I have a lot of clients who struggle with remembering when to pay bills, um, keeping track of bills. We talked a little bit about this at the beginning of we have the money in the account, we just forget to transfer it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden yeah. get this overdraft notice. Um, you know, and this is... I think this has gotten easier as technology, you know, back in what, late 90s, we started having automatic withdrawal from, Mm -hmm. you know, different uh, companies. And now that's the standard. So and I know there are still people out there that don't do that. And so I think the first thing I would recommend with bills is definitely get onto an automatic um, payment system so that you don't have to think about actually writing a check and putting the bill uh, in the mail. Because if you can eliminate that, that can make a big difference. The budget, though, I've got to go back to YNAB. I think that when you have your bills out laid like that, and you showed me that you can actually track the dates of when they're due, and that just stays there all the time. Mm -hmm. That's a really helpful way and easy way to keep track of when bills are due, regardless if you have to pay a check or not. I don't know. What do you think? I- well, yeah, and that's the thing that has made this particular tool, and, and I don't want to make this, like, I, yes, I'm an acknowledged evangelist all of a sudden of this new thing. Right, uh, but I know. We're, it, yeah. you know this is not We're like not a getting paid show. for this. We're, We're not getting paid for this, right. No, <laughs> that, and, but, but what I will say is that I, I go back to the dopamine rush, right? What yeah. is helping me build a habit? And one of the things that, that I like about that, about ordering my monthly bills, my, like, expenses, is in like what day of the month are they due at any given time and then being putting those in order so that I know on the first I better have that green bubble filled uh, and then I have a couple days before the next bill better have that green bubble filled. Um, That is the dopamine rush. When the bills come in, I'm excited to pay them. Right. Because that's a bill that I know it's for a service that I've decided to keep intentionally. It's one that I'm enthusiastic about paying because I get that service. I get value from that service. And I love that the green bubble is there and it turns gray when I paid it. And it means I'm a good human being and (laughs) I want to log in to this stupid thing. I'm a grown up. I am adulting (laughs) and, and I want to be a part of that. Uh, and so, I just like that reinforces my everyday behavior to make YNAB the number one tool that I go to whenever I think about money. So that association is very strong right now. And that's what you want, right? You want to create those to build habits. You want strong associations. Uh, There's a question here for YNAB. Do you have one account? like a family or for each individual. Uh, I personally have one account. It is our home account. 
And so it is uh, my husband and I share our finances. So my income goes into this account. His income goes into this account. We have a separate savings account, which is part of our budget. But um, it is one account, one family. Thing. Well, and let me let me uh, clarify some language, too, because this is important. You have one account that you set up and multiple people can use it. So like you and your husband, me and my wife, within your YNAB account, you can create multiple budgets. Right. Right. And so I have our family budget and I also have the True Story FM budget. And those have different bank accounts that are connected to them. So my business bank accounts connected to my business budget and our family bank accounts are connected to our family budgets. And we budget those expenses differently. And it's a very quick little drop down to switch between budgets so that you can actually manage your expenses where they make the most sense. So technically, if you and your spouse or my husband and I did have separate accounts and you have a separate budget, you can have two different budgets, one mm-hmm. for yourself and one for your um, spouse. Right. And uh, if you, if you uh, have your money individual like that, right? Yeah. I if mean, you, if you, you haven't would... combined your, and then you right. just, com- you know, somebody takes responsibility for different expenses and those yeah. become line items in your budget. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What are some other things that we were going to chat about today that well, we were going to talk relevant? about documents? Like, how do you keep? But what documents do you keep? What do you shred? What do you scan? Uh, that that some folks might be dealing with pileups. Right. Yeah. Paper pileup. Oh, that's uh, that's an issue for sure. You know, I think that. Um, there's a couple of things like with backlog versus like getting. Do you, do you tackle backlog first or do you get a system up and running first, you know, and then figure out what, how to deal with the backlog? Um, I kind of think you got to get your system somewhat set up first, right? Because the backlog is going to, it's been there. It's going to stay there. It's not going mm-hmm. anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And most of it's going to be shredded anyway. Um, but if you can figure out how you want to do your budget, whether it's through YNAB, whether it's a different program. Um, but when we talk about how to just get started with financial management, we've talked about, you know, looking at your budget, looking at what's coming in, what's, what's leaving. And, what you need to keep are really just the things that you need to keep for tax purposes. Mm-hmm. So I would always encourage you to um, find out from a tax consultant, somebody who is an expert in what tax forms need to be done. And those are the things that you uh, or that what tax forms need to be kept. And that's what you keep. We're not experts in that. I have a good idea, um, but I wouldn't be comfortable enough to really say, oh, you can get rid of that if that's part of, you know, part of a really piece, uh, important piece of your, uh, of your tax taxes. Um, the, but the in thing general, about taxes, though, now is that so many of those documents even are electronic. Like, oh, absolutely, it, it is. It's hard to find. I, I think an organization that doesn't offer you the ability to go download your own documentation at any absolutely. point in time. Yeah, so. we get our taxes back online. Yeah. I mean, we yeah, every it, it's it it can be so streamlined. It My really reduces you, the pressure of what to keep. Right. That's well, and huge. that's the thing is there's just not a lot you have to keep. So if you're keeping a lot of paper, my guess is you're keeping way too much yeah. and you could get rid of a lot of it and shred yeah. a lot of it. Um, and you're probably not getting as much paper anymore in mail because if you are signing up for automatic uh, payments and things like that, you're, you're going to get that through email versus really hard hard copy mm-hmm. um, mail. So um, we do have an online program, The Paper Solution, where I actually do go step-by-step on how to take care of that that backlog, how to set up a mailing system or, you know, you know when incoming mail comes in. Um, but my first suggestion on people who have a lot of paper right now, just purge and get rid of everything that you don't need because most of it you don't. And if mm-hmm. you're not sure, keep it and then ask a, a tax consultant to make sure that you're falling in line with what you need to do. But even if you get rid of it, you can always get it back yeah. probably. And so. I think that's a, a great rule, which is just that any anything that you, if you look at a piece of paper and you say, well, that's from the bank and the bank offers me to download the PDF so I can shred that. Like anything that you feel like you can look at and confirm that you can access it online is an easy candidate to shred. Absolutely. So, dump it. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, let's see. Oh, one of the things that, that, uh, Dr. Stephanie Sarkis talks about in her book is using medic or making sure that medication is looked at as a fixed expense. And I thought that that was a really, um, important point. And, and she does expand a little bit in the book about why that is, is that if you don't look at your medication as a fixed expense and something that's more, ver- um, variable, Mm -hmm. then it can end up, the consequences are much worse down the road. Because if you haven't taken your medication, you're going to be even more likely to not pay the bills or pay attention to your, you know, your buying and things like that. So I just thought that was a really interesting point that, yeah, that needs to be important. It needs to be a fixed expense. You need to put it in your budget. It's not something to um, think, oh, maybe I need this. Maybe I don't. Yeah, right. You know, there was this there is this conversation about uh, dealing with these financial stresses in a relationship, uh, marriage, partnership. And I'm so curious, especially now that you're delving into YNAB, uh, how you and your husband are are addressing or do have historically addressed uh, finances together. I was so excited to tell him I was doing it. I, I was you like, were. you're going to be so proud of me. I am setting ourselves up on a budget. I've got this new program. <laughs> He's like, yay. He's like thrilled. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I think that uh, it, it's it's that communication and just being really clear Um and, and that you keep communicating because it's not, you know, it's something that you talk about before you get married. It's something that you need to talk about um, of what your values are, like how you guys see money. All of that needs to be done before you even get married or commit to a relationship because it is such a pivotal part of how you live with someone, especially if you're combining uh, uh, combining um, incomes. Yeah. Uh, but it's an ongoing relation or it's an on, uh, ongoing conversation too, because we still, you know, almost 20 years later, still have conversations about where our money's going and what we think is okay and what we don't think is okay. And we still have differences of opinion and, um, you know, it, it never really ends. We've been lucky enough that we haven't had it be a situation where, you know, it put our, marriage on the line or there were any deal breakers. Um, if one of us did something and, and I can think of a couple of times where it really was upsetting, um, we worked through it mm-hmm. and and uh, apologies were made and and accepted. And, uh, you know, you, you keep working together with it. But it is something that you can't you can't ignore it. You have to talk about it. Yeah, we we're in that in that similar boat. I mean, 21 years this year, and we I, I think this YNAB transition is the first time that my wife and I have both agreed on the methodology and mm-hmm. the tool at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. We're always sort of like competing with each other in terms of interests. And she does certain things like the grocery shopping. She handles that on uh, every Sunday and she just loves it and she just takes care of it. And we have that conversation every single week when she comes to me. She's like, how's your uh, how's your money? Because my money comes in weird times. I don't get paid like salary. So it just comes in when it comes in. Right. And um, and so she says, yeah, how you doing? Do we have money to cover this? Do we have money to cover that? And I get very frustrated. It's like a head explosion thing because I feel like I'm being like pounced upon and right. uh, especially when I don't know at the top of my head well now we do like now we right. know exactly what is available and and if if there isn't enough in the little green bubble for groceries we got to fi- figure out a way to move it um and so we can take shared ownership of that i am the guy who like the second year of our marriage went out to take my car for an oil change and came back with a new car like that's yeah. the kind without like talking to her about it that's my history and it's not great um and so so it's it is a long journey to figure out how to make finance as a partnership. But I, I feel like once you do, once you get there, it it's it's really great. It is. And again, though, I just have to say, like in our experience, it's still ongoing. So last year we bought um, we were we had an Acura and it was like a 2002 Acura and we 
beat that thing down, right? Mm-hmm. So we were turning it in in 2019 and it was a 2002. And uh, and so we drive our cars for a really long Hard. time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but we were thinking about getting a new, a new car and turning this in or trading it in <laughs> for like the $500 it was worth. And, <laughs> but... You know, two different opinions. He had a really hard time um, turning that car in because it was still running. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, we really didn't need a new car. And uh, and so back and forth, back and forth. And finally, I was just like, you know what? We're not getting a new car until you are absolutely sure and you are okay with getting a new car because mm-hmm. I don't want this conversation anymore because we just kept going around in circles and get, you know, and getting frustrated with each other. And it was probably about a month later that he he thought, okay, we can go look for a new car. And then we were kind of more on the same page. But I mean, I had to recognize that he wasn't ready to let go of it yet. Like he wasn't ready to do that. And, uh, you know, I didn't have to drive the car. So I was like, okay, you keep driving that as long as you want. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it is constantly a, um, a conversation and, uh, yeah, it, it you you do the best you can, but again, yeah. it's one of those things that if you need a, a professional help, a marriage counselor is not a bad idea to talk these things through because yeah. it is somebody that is a different, you know, who's out of the relationship, who isn't in it in the same way that can help guide you, and there's nothing wrong with that either. Absolutely. You want to talk about some questions that we got from the audience that are not related to money? Sure. Uh, we're, we've got a little Q&A house cleaning yeah, to do. Yeah, we do. Uh, just a couple. Uh, first, we have this. Uh, I just listened to the Working With Instructors, episode 397. What about instructors who have ADHD? The online teaching format during COVID-19 and knowing in the fall we will be online again, I'm in panic mode. It did not go well. Oddly, I love working from home, but was working 80 hours a week just to keep up. Meanwhile, as an instructor, I always walk a fine line of how much I disclose to my students. I have dyslexia as well. Part of me is like, screw it. I'm going to let it all hang out. Okay, love your podcast. Thanks. Well, thank you. Love the question uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and the kudos. Thank you so much. Um, here we go. What do you think? Tough time for students and instruct- instructors yeah. going to online school. No doubt about it. And uh, I had many conversations with my uh, kids, too, about, hey, you got to give your teachers some slack because they don't know what they're doing any more than what you know what you're doing. So you're all yeah. trying to get through this together. Um, but what I would say is if you do expect that uh, you may be going into the fall doing this kind of online learning again, is to really take some time to reflect of what went well uh in the last few months and what didn't go well. And um, many times we just don't take the time to reflect that. We just either, unfortunately with ADHD, procrastinate and wait too long to plan or prepare. And so now school starts in a week and you're panicking. So that's the one thing that I would really encourage the teachers out there is to do that reflection now while it's still somewhat fresh in your mind. And it may just be even just a... uh, half hour, you know, jot some ideas or jot some things down that you would like to do differently or what did work because you're not going to remember them in the fall either. So do it now um, if you can and uh, think about how maybe you can make it a little bit more streamlined. Um, I think that was the biggest issue that I saw with kids, you know, with my children. It's just that everything was sort of haphazard, but that was under the Uh, under the current circumstances. So now that you've had some time to think about it, maybe there are some things that you can put a little bit more structure around your days. Uh, But the other thing I would do is ask ask for support from other instructors. How are they doing this? How are they dealing with this? Because you are not the only one struggling. I can guarantee you that. ADHD or not, you're not the only one struggling. Um, As far as what to talk about, to your students about with your own, um, dis, you know, with your own ADHD and d- dyslexia, personal decision. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to to know um, how to, you know, what's the right thing or wrong thing to say. I guess you know, one of my questions would be for you is what's important for them to know, and how much is it important for them, you know, to know about your condition, but. Um, 
Yeah, that's something you would probably want to actually really talk to somebody about and kind of like, you know, really peel back the layers of what the benefits are, what the consequences might be. Right. Um, how old your students are that you're talking to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially in this in this case, I think, um, you know, we're um, well, and actually, I don't know. I, I don't think she says here what how old the kids no. are. But uh, I, I would say, and, and I've spent a lot of years teaching online, and right. um, it's uh, it, it's hard. <laughs> I think it's yeah. a lot harder than teaching in the classroom, um, certainly for the, the brain fireworks, right? I mean, it's just really hard. It takes more time. Um, the difference is you can spread out the time throughout, you know, every day instead of just heavy up on kind of one day or three days a week, depending on your course schedule. Uh, for me, find every single efficiency that you can in the software that you are using to deliver your content online, whether you're using Moodle or Canvas or Blackboard or Google Classroom, learn those tools inside and out. Invest now to understand all the nooks and crannies, all the ways to rapidly post responses. Get it on your phone. Get it. Get those devices everywhere because the investment today in learning how to be efficient with that class, with, with your classroom responses, uh, will help you dramatically on day one when your students get access to their course for the first time uh, in the fall. It's it is a huge thing, and and most uh, most of the time when I talk to other instructors like this about getting their systems in place, they they say, "Well, I don't know how to do that in Canvas." Well. Let's learn how to do that in Canvas. Whatever right. it is, there shouldn't be a thing you don't know how to do in Canvas. Become an expert. Good point. Um, it, it is, it's incredibly important that you understand the ins and outs of the service. So um, that's, that's where I would start. Um, but all the other ADHD tools uh, should be accounted for, right? Alarms, block scheduling, make appointments with yourself for grading papers and delivering responses. Learn how to use dictation. If you aren't using dictation, I started doing dictate, uh, like just straight up audio comments for all of my uh, paper feedback. So students, instead of reading my responses, would get to listen to my voice. And that is a standard feature of Canvas. So I could just hit record on their assignment and say, hey, it's Pete. And here's what I think of your paper. And they get to hear my voice. They hear the sort of the tone that I I'm giving them. If I if I really think their paper sucked, they hear it, <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, and they they sort of get a sense for for my entire experience, and and that ended up being an incredible time saver. Um, so you know, those are the kinds of things that you can you can do to make your um, make your life better in terms of what you uh, what you disclose. I um, you know I'm pretty open with my ADHD with my students when it comes up. I, I don't disclose like on day one. Um, I also think that there is an acceptable amount of Daffy instructor stereotype that I can live within that students don't need to know of a diagnosis. Uh, they'll think that I'm a Daffy instructor anyway, right? Mm -hmm. I could be a mad scientist kind of a guy and they, they'll forgive that because of the cultural sort of understanding of what that is. Right. Uh, they've yeah. seen it in movies, the crazy right. absent-minded professor sort of gestalt. And I'm okay with that. I don't need to let yeah. them know that, you know, confirm it. Uh, what is, what's the great saying? Uh, better to leave your mouth closed and let people think you're an idiot than open your mouth and prove it. So, um, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting uh, saying. Can't yeah. say I've heard of it. Uh, good. So, All right. There you this go. next question. question. Number one. Yeah. Question yeah. number two. Hi, Nikki. I value your work so much. Your podcast has really helped me where my medication and where medication and therapy have not been able to. I have a focus question. How is it I can focus and admittedly hyper focus on an activity and yet find accessing words difficult while I'm having a conversation related to or writing about the project I'm working on? I hope that makes sense. Kind regards. Yes. This is an interesting question. I had to do a little bit of research on it because it's, uh, I'm not that crazy scientist <laughs> that like, you know, studies the brain and understands like why this does this or why this is happening. But, um, my first instinct was correct. I think when I was trying to figure out why this might be happening, um, uh, 
with her. From my understanding and, and from the, some of the research that I did and, and what I would, what my instinct is telling me is it has to do with the executive functions. Um, you know, this is, this is where you're organizing your thoughts and communicating. And if you're having a hard time organizing your thoughts and communicating, that may be why a conversation is more difficult than you just reading it and taking in the information yourself and putting it into your brain. But then having to try to actually talk about it is a very different set of skills. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's what's kind of going into my thought is that it's it goes kind of back down to communication too it's really difficult when you're, especially if you're on the spot and you're not expecting to talk about it and somebody's asking you about your research or what you've been doing that is a hard thing to do and it's that that brain fog right it's mm-hmm. like you know so much but it's really hard to articulate what you know because your mind is going in all different directions and then you're wondering oh i just forgot about that i need to bring that in and so you're you're kind of all over the place. So that could be part of of what's happening too. Um, But one of the things that I would say is do talk to your doctor about this and tell them that this is something that that you're dealing with and seeing if they can't zero in more on what's happening and how to effectively help you. And it it could be an executive function thing where they just say, you know, the more you have time to prepare and plan, the the more articulate you might be. I don't know. I mean, it's different to have a presentation with, you know, bullet points and you're ready to go than, hey, Pete, what have you been, re- you know, researching on and what yeah. have you been doing on this big project? It's it's hard. It's a hard. I, I, it is hard. And I, I really relate to this, um, which... I, I don't know, maybe hard to believe because I spent so much time on the microphone in a, any given week. But uh, in my experience, it all comes back to, and I'm sure there's some way to explain it in the brain. We'll mm-hmm. have to ask Dr. Dodge uh, about how that works. But right. for me, it all comes down to context shift and how hard oh, context shift point. is for me, right? That I am, when my brain is here, then I can, I can speak quite fluidly about whatever we're talking about. But if you ask me now to switch gears and talk about, you know, scheduling for the weekend or even something as sort of innocuous as that, like when can we get in the car and go get some lunch? I'll go into straight up schedule panic and I won't be able to form words like I just it takes me time to change gears. And that may be part of it. Right. When when you when you struggle moving nimbly from one subject area to the next, uh, one domain to the next. So something to consider. Absolutely. Thank you for your questions. And if anyone else has any that they would like to spring on us, we will do our best to answer them, whether we know what we're talking about or not. (laughs) We're going (laughs) to do our best. Well, this you know, once again, it's been a great uh, year, our weird sort of annual summer cycle. And uh, this has been a great little series, even though it's it's sort of abbreviated. We're going to we'll, we'll find a way to fill in this last hole uh, because I got a delightful email from our guest here. She's very we'll, we will reschedule at some point, uh, but That's we great. are taking July off. And that yes. means no live streams and no uh, podcast for the month of July. We'll be back in uh, the first week of August. We'll start uh, start the the machine back up again so that's right um yeah if you have those questions july is a great time to get them in we'll Absolutely. stack them up and start knocking them out when we uh get back so our first uh live stream episode will be uh that first what is that august 3rd i believe yeah, it's, that, it's that first week yeah um, it's that august 3rd and that means the first episode will go live on August 11th in that episode that is recorded on the 3rd will go live on Tuesday the 11th. So the machine again starts up that first week of August. That's uh, right. Uh, for We're your the calendars. Machine. We are the machine. That's right. <laughs> we get to take a little break and yep. then we get all oiled up again and then we keep going. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Just Pete and Nikki all oiled up to podcast. <laughs> to podcast. That's right. Jeez. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. Thanks for your time and your attention. We'll catch you next uh, month after next, right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <laughs> <laughs>